baby. Nate Kennedy, the new money podcast, episode eight, investing 102, how to actually invest. How y'all doing, man? Good to be back at it. I'm really trying to stay on the weekly schedule. Again, if anything was maybe a little bit difficult from the last episode, I put out a few blasts on Instagram, but please reach out, yo. My line is 100% open. Any questions, there are no dumb questions, please hit me up. If you do like the show, if you have been vibing with it, please shoot us a review on Apple Podcasts. There actually isn't one on Spotify, but if you could throw it up on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. It really helps the show. So today with this episode, it's going to be, you know, some more logistical stuff on investing. I just want to say though, and I didn't say this at the start of the last episode, but I, and I wish I did. I am not an investing pro by any means. I, you know, I give some advice on some things, but at the end of the day, it's, it's stuff that you're taking at your own risk. Nothing is obviously hundred percent guaranteed and you must assume that risk to get the return. So again, I'm advising things that I believe in, things that I've done research on, et cetera. At the end of the day, it's up to you. Um, and these are just suggestions, but not telling you that these are sure things. But now that I got that legal jumbo out of the way, let's just dive on into it, baby. Okay, cool. So you know, I'm down for investing. I listened to the first episode. You got me hooked. I did some research. Like, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. But, like, how do I do it? Like, what now? Well, firstly, before you decide to actually invest, it's essential you actually have your cash flow, budgeting, emergency fund, immediate debt in good order before you tackle investing. You know, really build up that solid foundation to build up this house of wealth. A house built on shit foundation is bound to collapse. And we're trying to build immaculate estates. You know what I'm talking about? Like empire kind of thing. Let's get everything nice and sound and then we can tackle this full steam ahead, right? So let's build, let's get the foundational stuff right. Don't be investing if you've got, you know, credit card after credit card up in debt. Like it it doesn't make sense mathematically. It just logistically, like it doesn't make any sense at all. And so let's get after that before we tackle investing. So let's say you've got a good foundation, you're ready to invest. Well, the first thing I do want to say, given the times, it is a great time to start investing. Markets are down and will likely keep going down. Like any other commodity, stocks are best when you buy them cheap. Warren Buffett, who's widely regarded as the GOAT investor, once said, price is what you pay, value is what you get, whether we're talking about socks or stocks. I like to buy quality merchandise when it is marked down. We like cheap shit. New money here. We like getting things for cheap that have value. This is the same thing. They will bounce back in the long term. We will get those returns. Let's get in. Also, guys, let's get in because time in the market beats timing the market every time. Right? I'll say that again. Time in the market beats timing the market every time. Let's not worry about if it's going to drop more. Really, no one can predict the market and no one will time the bottom of this thing without pure and absolute luck. Like really, it's a great time to get in regardless of if it's going to go down or go up or whatever. We don't know, right? We don't know what the bottom's going to be. Let's get in now. Let's start slowly and, and build our way up. Stocks will eventually bounce back and this will pass and you will legitimately create wealth for yourself if you keep at it. So let's just get in there. Now, the first thing you want to do with your investment plan is is to actually have a plan and to figure out your goals for investing. Everything starts with your motivations. You know, I highly recommend you begin putting money away for retirement because that's, you know, more conducive to long-term investing. 
But, you know, pick your goals, whatever the case is. If, the one thing I would say, though, is I don't recommend the stock market if you'll need the money in anything shorter than five years. Even five to ten years is questionable. Volatility, which just means how much stocks go up and down, you know, how erratic they are, is very unpredictable in the short term. And there isn't empirical evidence of a definitive upward trend in any given short term, right? Some years, some stages are going to be up. Some stages are going to be down. You, you really don't know what the next, you know, five years will look like. So yes, you know, you might lose some money to inflation if you just put it, you know, in a, in a savings account. Uh, hopefully you're putting it in a high yield account. So you actually offset inflation at least a little bit. You know, go listen to episode two on, on high interest savings accounts. But better than losing it right when you need it. Again, I'm not an expert. I just stick to the fundamental assumption that the stock market will very likely increase over the long term. And because we have long term horizons, you know, the amount of time that we're going to be investing for, that's that's all the horizon means. That's really what we're talking about here. You know, short to medium stock investing. I don't do it. Uh, you know, I don't advise it. But if that's something you want to tackle, that's up to you. I'm talking about long-term investing with with all of this stuff so if you are just starting out it might be a little daunting to begin planning for your retirement i mean god with this virus i mean you know we're in our 20s thinking about retirement is the fucking last thing we're thinking about right now like i'm not really even thinking about it but you don't have to have it all figured out you you might not even be working right now or knowing what you're going to make in the future or so your retirement numbers so to speak how much you want to have in retirement that you think of today is very likely to change what I suggest is to take a portion of your income that you have coming in or a portion of your savings that's, you know, beyond your emergency fund and immediate funds and, you know, and start socking it away periodically. You know, a great number to shoot for is 10 to 15 percent of your pre-tax paycheck. Just sock that puppy away. You can do more or less of that depending on how much you want to sock away. But those figures are great benchmarks. So if you take, for example, a thousand before taxes, this is about a hundred to 150 bucks a paycheck. You just put it away just off the top. No doubt about it. Just putting a hundred to 150 bucks away if you're making more, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's just an easy way, you know, as you progress through your investing journey, you can gradually become more tactical and focused with respect to actual income you want in retirement, for example. If you want to have $50,000 a year, you know, you could start to strategically map that out. But when you're just starting out, I really recommend just taking, you know, a percentage of your income or your savings and just starting to get in the habit of socking it away periodically. The three things that I think are most important, get in, stay in, diversify. Those are the three things. If you can do that, you can figure out the other stuff down the line. Now, one thing I do want to say, if you're curious for my people who are thinking, you know, old 10, 15, 20 years, like, what am I going to do? Like, do I just hold stocks forever? And then I pull it out in retirement? Like, what if what if stocks fall off right when I'm about to retire? And that's a very good question. It's a very good thought. So throughout your life, and like, this is way, way later on, you're going to actually start to slowly convert your stocks that you've been investing in, hopefully for a few decades now, into lower risk, lower return assets to lock in your gains, so to speak. You're kind of cashing in and getting things that are you know, more conservative, have a lower return, but are more of a sure thing. But right now, just throw some money away in some broad market index funds or ETFs and just stay consistent, right? So with investing, you know, I keep saying periodic, but like, is it better to do a lump sum? Like if I have a ton of money, should I put a ton in at once or should I, you know, cut it up and, and put it in periodically? 
So this is somewhat of a debatable subject. And, you know, there are good arguments for both. But statistically speaking, in the long term, one is not inherently better than the other. It really depends on the given scenario. Yes, generally speaking, the sooner you put the money to work, the better off you'll be. And that implicitly means that if you have a few grand lying around on top of your emergency fund, you just have it and you, and you just want to invest it, then you should probably put that in, you know, now versus later. But for a lot of us, we will be stowing money away from our paycheck, money that we actually don't have yet. So it's more conducive to consistently put away money every paycheck or monthly or you know whatever periodic frame you pick. I, I don't recommend anything longer than monthly, but that's up to you as long as it's periodic and you're spacing it out. So this is what's known as dollar cost averaging, right? So dollar cost averaging reduces what is known as timing risk, which is the risk that once you put in a bunch of money, the stock market plummets, right? This inherently also means that, you know, you're reducing your upside. Say if the stock market were to shoot up right after you put a crap ton of money in, right? And so we are hedging our bets, so to speak, with this by spacing it out. And I think it's the best and, and again, the most logistically sound uh, approach given that we're going to be taking it off our paycheck. So let's stay consistent. Let's buy into the market throughout our lives. And we will be more than okay if you just do that. Sweet. Okay, so I know my goals how much I want to put away. And, you know, I know that I'm not going to touch it for a long ass time because we're investing for the long term now. God damn it, Nate. Like, how do I actually invest? Like, what do I do? Like, what exactly do I buy? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, here we go. Logistics time, like the how-to kind of thing. You know, you're locked and loaded. You're ready to take life by the friggin' cojones, right? <laughs> there are two platforms that I think are killer for investing with low to no fees in Canada. I really don't know if there's any Americans listening. I'd say mostly we're all Canadian listening to this. And so these are two Canadian companies. So the first is Wealth Simple Trade. And Wealth Simple Trade offers zero commission. Commission is just how much they charge you per transaction. They offer zero commission uh, trading for buying and selling for both ETFs, so likely what we're gonna be buying, you know, our, our broad market funds with, or stocks. They don't have any commissions on their stocks either. Well, Simple Trade has a much more simple, user-friendly interface. It's more catered towards people who are just starting out. It's much more easier. It's more aesthetically pleasing, in my opinion. I've, I have both, uh, and I really do like Well Simple's uh, platform and their app better. Well, Simple Trade, however, only supports RRSPs and TFSAs. I'm going to touch on what those are in a sec. Investors can open a Wealth Simple Trade account for $0. However, Wealth Simple Trade is only accessible from a mobile device or tablet, so you can't access it on your desktop. And the second platform is Quest Trade. And I'm, I'm sure you've seen some of their ads or you've heard the name or something. And, you know, they're really blowing up and they're really making a name for themselves. Quest Trade offers free ETF purchases and stock trades for as low as $4.95. And it actually costs $4.95 to sell ETFs, but probably not going to be selling anything at all. And so this is very negligible in terms of a consideration, right? We're going to be buying and holding. We're not buying and selling. The selling fee isn't really that pertinent to us, but it's something to consider. So Quest Trade supports a wide array of different accounts. So, you know, they have your TFSAs, your RRSPs, then they have your RESPs, which are registered education savings plans and all sorts of different kinds of accounts that I won't even touch on, but they've got, they've got it all. They've got it all. So the Quest Trade platform can actually be accessed 
via desktop, unlike Wealth Simple Trade, where it's just the app. And with Wealth Simple Trade as well as Quest Trade, they they both have similar specific promo offers for signing up as well. I believe it's fifty dollars for opening an account but I couldn't find the promo when I checked actually yesterday. So it may have expired regardless of whatever one offers, the other is gonna give you just as much if not more. So again, it's not the biggest consideration because you're gonna get something by joining regardless. I think probably one of the biggest considerations that people will likely have is with Well Simple Trade to open an account, you can just put in however much you have. With Quest Trade, however, you do need $1,000 as a minimum to start. So that is, kind of a barrier to entry for some people who just kind of want to buy a few stocks so advantage wealth simple trade there so i think in my opinion the verdict is quest trade narrowly tops wealth simple trade as the top rated trading platform for self-directed investors we're self-directed we're buying we're not we don't have advisors we're just buying ourselves uh, and so quest trade is the most holistic better platform but wealth simple trade again is, is great because it's just it's so aesthetically pleasing it's so easy it's so simple so check out both find what works for you whatever you like more whatever the offers you know what suits your needs the best and you know really at the end of the day as long as you invest with one of them it, it doesn't matter like i literally own both so like you're not locked in with quest trade if you pick quest trade and you're not locked in with wealth simple trade if you pick them you can literally have both you can switch like it's not a binding decision so look at both pick one and and go from there <laughs> So once you've selected the brokerage, brokerage just being the platform that you choose to invest with, so either Wealth Simple Trade or Quest Trade, or you know you can do your research and find other ones as well. Those are just the two ones that I suggest. Once you pick one, you'll have the option of likely opening a TFSA or RSP. Those are the two sort of main accounts that they you know will provide. So I feel like TFSA especially is sort of like a buzzword and there is like a little bit of misconception as to what exactly it is as well as RSP and I do man I feel like I literally always say this and, and plug an episode in the future but we're going to do an episode in the future on you know a TFSA versus an RSP which one works for you etc but uh, we'll do a quick sort of summary right here so a TFSA is a tax-free savings account and you know this is what I actually suggest you open up first you know it's not a thing you buy or a commodity a TFSA is just a type of account like a standard checking account or savings account it's just a different account so what you will do is you'll open up a TFSA account and that will be your account with the platform so you know if I choose well simple trade and I go in there and I open up a TFSA that's just my account with them right it's just like if I open a checking account with CIBC that's my, my checking account I put money into that right what we're going to do with this TFSA, we're going to put money into this TFSA and we're going to buy things within this TFSA, right? We're going to buy the stocks, we're going to buy the index funds. And then similar to how money is held within a checking account, our stocks are going to be held within our TFSAs. Now, the gains you make from any investments or savings within the account are actually tax free and are all yours. You know, it's a great incentive for saving and for maximizing any earnings that you may get. But the name savings account, quote unquote, is actually a little bit misleading. DFSA functions more like an investment basket. You can pick whatever you can put in the basket from a wide array of different financial assets, ETFs, stocks. 
an investment basket is the best way to explain it. So an RRSP stands for a registered retirement savings plan. And I apologize if this isn't the most exciting stuff, but it's very important stuff that you know you need to understand at least somewhat, right? You need to kind of know a little bit how to navigate. And so just bear with me. It's, it's really important stuff, I promise. So an RRSP is also a government-sponsored retirement plan with significant tax benefits, uh, but it works a bit different than a TFSA. So an RRSP is what's called a tax advantage account, meaning that the government created them specifically to provide tax breaks to those who invest money within the RRSP as a way to motivate them to put their money for their retirement. So the government basically wants people to save for themselves, so they created this tax advantage account to incentivize them to put money away. But instead of your earnings being tax-free, as is the case with a TFSA, any money that you contribute to an RRSP as well as the gains will be exempt from income taxes that you make this year. You actually get a tax break and will only be taxed years down the line when you withdraw from it, right? So it'll be an income source for you that is taxable. And so this allows the investments within it to grow much more efficiently and down the line you will have to pay taxes, but there is significant upside to this, right? Now, there is a lot to talk about when it comes to TFSAs as well as RRSPs, but all you really need to know right now is that you should open a TFSA first and begin investing and look into opening an RRSP down the line once you get a handle on investing. There are contribution limits to both, but by having both and maxing out both throughout your life, that is how you'll generate serious wealth. So the rich, they have both these accounts. They've maxed the hell out of them because there are the limits that I will go into more depth on in a different episode. But they've maxed them out and they also have different investment accounts as well that they're using. So TFSA is the start of one. Get going with that and then transition into an RRSP later on because it can provide you tax benefits um, when you're making more money. My suggestion is to have both eventually and max them out as much as you can. So dope, I opened up my TFSA, hell yeah. Now I just buy away, right? Well, not necessarily. We're almost there, but not necessarily. You'll have to actually fund the account and then you'll likely have to convert your funds to USD. Now, generally speaking, this is you know more my opinion. You know, there are good Canadian stocks and ETFs that you can buy, but I think the best ones are actually bought and sold in USD. And you know, it's actually an overall better currency for you to buy and trade in. Now, depending on the platform you use, once you convert your CAD to USD, the platform will charge a slight fee for doing so. With Quest Trade, they'll tack on 2% to the exchange rate. So for example, if one United States dollar is $1.35 in Canadian dollars, then they'll charge you $1.37, right? Just 2% on top of that. With Wealthsimple Trade, they'll actually tack on 1.5%, so a little bit less. Now, there are higher level strategies that may actually help you reduce these fees, but that is beyond the scope of this podcast. A lot of institutions charge fees for this conversion, so it really isn't all that uncommon, and you're bound to pay something. I suggest you explore and research these strategies, however. It's called Norbert's Gambit. Again, I'll put a thing in the show notes that you can look into if you're if you're putting away a ton of money and you don't want to pay you know that percentage that two percent for example on ten thousand dollars would be two hundred dollars like that's that's a lot of money and so if you want to look into how you can evade the fee uh, i'll put a link in the show notes to help you uh, navigate that
Okay, cool. So I got my beautiful ass USD, all my US dollars. What do I buy? You know, it can seem so daunting with all these ticker symbols and all this charts and plus minus graphs and blah, like Apple, this, Netflix, ah, ah, crazy, man. Seems crazy. So let's just talk about why we're just going to get some broad market index funds and not worry about any of that noise, right? And you know, there are so many things that you can look into buying, but I strongly, strongly, strongly suggest doing your own research to figure out which ones are best for you. Again, like I said at the start of the episode, I am not a financial advisor. I'm not a stock picker. I'm not a stock analyst. I'm not a pro. And to be honest, again, I'm not liable for the results of any funds that I may suggest in this or any sort of strategies that I say here. These are things that I'm suggesting. I really do think they are great ways to build wealth. So I'd love for you guys to do your own research, look into it, look what works for you, make an educated decision. If it aligns with some stuff that I'm saying, then that's awesome and I, and I want that. But again, I implore you guys to do a little bit of work and to inform yourselves as well. But, 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 even with all of that being said, I do have three exchange traded funds, ETFs, that are broad market that I will say here to give you a sort of starting point that I really think are great. And if you literally just bought into these and just kept putting in your money, you'd be completely fine. You'd be doing better than 95% of the population just by buying these consistently and staying at it. You really can't go wrong. And also, if you were to make this decision and, and buy one of these, you're not beholden to these picks. You don't have to hold them forever. If you want to switch, you can you can go to a different fund, right? Like when I say stay in the market, you know, I don't say that you have to stick with the exact fund you pick. You can sell off and invest in a different stock, but we're going to stay within our portfolio, right? We're not going to pull our money out and go to the fucking mall or something. We're going to take that money and put it to other investments. And so if you pick one, it's not the end all be all. You don't have to hold it for 40 years. If you do, that's great. But there's no permanency here, right? You can't sell it. The important thing again, oh my God, I sound like a broken record is to just start and to just be consistent and to just diversify. And these are diversified funds. So when you go to actually purchase these index funds or stocks or whatever, there's going to be these three to four lettered acronyms called ticker symbols that are actually going to represent the underlying stock or ETF. So all these symbols, all these tickers, all that is, is just a shorthand representation of the underlying asset because some of these assets have very long names, so it'd just be very cluttered and unorganized if they didn't have a smaller shorthand thing to represent it. So all those symbols are, are just things that represent the underlying index. So the first ETF that I recommend that's just super easy, super basic, and you can't go wrong, is called VTI. It's the Vanguard Total Market Index. All you need to know is it owns all the shares in the S&P 500, which is the top 500 companies in America, plus thousands more. So pretty much the entire American stock market is more or less what it is. So you really can't go wrong. It's a pretty sound investment. Um, it's as close to buying the market as really you can get. And so I really do think it's a good look. The ticker symbol again for that is VTI. The second ETF, VOO, which is the Vanguard S&P 500 fund. So this ETF tracks the top 500 companies in America and owns share in all of them. This is basically just buying a fund that 
replicates the index of the S&P 500. So it's actually the exact example that I gave in the last episode about having the S&P 500 index and then a fund that just copies that. That's what it is here. The ticker symbol for that again is VOO. And the third and final suggestion is just another S&P 500 fund. It's called IVV. It's the iShares S&P 500 fund. This also tracks the top 500 companies in America and is super similar to VOO. It's, it's basically the same. But again, these three are very similar returns. They are great. I would suggest VOO, the second one. Uh, you, can't, you really can't go wrong with just buying into that. You don't even need to think about it. It's just automatic just buying into that. Again, there, there might be some better ETFs out there over the long term. I don't know how those ETFs are going to perform over the long term. I have my own sort of investment strategy. I do own a lot of S&P 500 in my own. So these are things that I'm buying. So I'm not telling you to buy something that I don't do. But again, I'm not a stock picker, but I don't really need to be. Uh, these three are fantastic funds that you can buy with relative certainty that they will increase in value over the long term. <laughs> So now it is time for the new money mailbag. This week's question comes from my boy Lou at financewith.lou, L-O-U, is his Instagram. Go check him out. He's got some really, really cool stuff on there, some great financial tidbits and knowledge and all that stuff. So cool, dude. And this week, what he asked was, what are some tips on starting a podcast? You know, what equipment would I need? So I'd say... Uh, you know, you, you really don't need much. Uh, the first thing you need to figure out is, you know, what, what are you trying to do? What's, what, what purpose are you serving? Um, you know, don't make a podcast just to make a podcast. Do it because, you know, you're trying to get, you're trying to get a message across or, you know, you want to entertain or you want to have some sort of purpose. So don't aimlessly create it is the first thing I'd say. In terms of logistically setting it up, you'll need to get a hosting website, um, so you can just look that up. There's a, a bunch of free um, ones that you can use. I use this website called Podbean. So basically, I open an account there. I upload my episodes to there. And then they distribute them out to the different platforms I use. So I use Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So you, you upload everything to there, and then it distributes it for you. Um, and, you know, there are free options. There are paid options, etc. Um, in terms of equipment, yo, honest to God, I'm literally recording this podcast to you guys on my iPhone um, it's actually got a pretty decent mic. Obviously, times are tough. The mic that I have right now is pretty much like shot. It's not a not a great mic. Um, and before I actually recorded in the libraries, if you guys ever remember the clips of me with the checkered background and the sick ass setup, that was actually the library back in London, Ontario that I would record at. And so that was super dope. I got super lucky with that. Um, but now I've just got my phone. I'm probably gonna buy a mic to start up. But really, man, all you need is a purpose a hosting website and a some sort of recording device and and just get to work like don't make any excuses and and if you have something that you believe in go after it um, I'm just getting started and stuff like that I'm definitely not an expert but you know I just love making shit happen when you know it's not supposed to happen so that was a long-winded way to say an iPhone and a hosting website and a mission so that those are the three things I'd say you'd need off the top of my head so just to wrap up what we talked about today we kind of talked about some odds and ends with respect to investing, how to logistically go about it and you know how you can attack it. You know, some takeaways for the episode. Number one, time in the market beats the market every time. Just get in there, 
be consistent. We're going to figure out. We're going to stumble. We're going to mess up, but we're going to figure it out. And so I would just say, get in there. Don't try to time the bottom. Wait for this to blow over. Now is a good time uh, as ever to invest. So go ahead and do it. Number two, it's crucial to have somewhat of a strategy or a plan with your goals in mind. You know, what's your why? Your strategy could even be, I'm going to save 10% or 15% of my paycheck. That's a strategy, whatever. Cool. Like that's what I'm going to do. That's my plan. You know, I want to start putting money away from my retirement, et cetera. That's, that's fine. And then we can evolve and, you know, get better. But just, just getting started is the biggest key that I'd say for us youngins. We can figure out the other stuff for sure, but just let's get started. Let's start moving forward and let's keep somewhat of a goal in mind in terms of what we're trying to achieve. Number three, I recommend storing small amounts periodically away, which is known as dollar cost averaging, to stay consistent and simple with our strategy. Consider lump sum if you have a large amount right this second and you really want to put all of it into the market and you don't want to touch it for years to come, by all means, but you know, that's up to you. Eventually, you know, you will have to uh, periodically invest unless you have all the money you'll ever have in your life right now, you're eventually going to have to periodically invest. So I think that dollar cost averaging, putting away a periodic amount consistently is the most conducive and likely for the majority of us. And number four, research and pick the brokerage that fits your needs the best. And consider broad market index funds like the ones I previously mentioned, just because you can buy them, you can set it and you can forget about it. You just buy in, you don't have to think, you don't have to rebalance, you don't have to do anything. Just buy it, buy it, buy it, and you're good to go. It's called couch potato investing. You sit on your butt and you just buy it and you don't have to worry about anything, right? Do your research, check out some of the stuff that I said, do your own sort of deep dive, uh, figure out what works for you, but guys, now is as good a time as ever to get in. Let's get in, build our wealth. Let's come out of this shit show swinging. Let's get after it today, people. Thank you guys so, so much. Man, I love you guys so much. This has been so fun recording these weekly. I uh, love the feedback. Please, I am a feedback junkie. Please let me know if there's anything I can elaborate within this episode or the last episode on. Please let me know if there's anything I can do to help you. With this podcast, all I'm trying to do is just help people win. Like, man, I, I fucking, I love seeing people win. I really, really, really want to see people win. And we can win if we get started today. Let's get after. Let's do it. Nate Kennedy, New Money Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm out this mother. Peace.